Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Rob Mina Show. Why is the U.S. military using punishment against members requesting vaccine exemptions? That's the title of the show. You know, the COVID-19 vaccine military mandate is driving commanders to inexplicably, inexplicably force punishment discharges against military members who've served honorably but have re requested exemptions uh, like the medical exemption. This is just one of the reasons the U.S. JAG organization exists. Their vision is for third-party oversight to be established over the entire discharge process, ensuring both policy and procedure are followed, stating there are hundreds of thousands of injured active duty service members who've been discharged from military service under less than honorable conditions. And in addition, there are hundreds of injured active duty military personnel at any given point of time who are facing improper separations from the service. These improperly discharged service members are stripped of their benefits, their honor and dignity, resulting in a heavy fiscal burden upon their states and communities. The cascading impacts manifest in the realms of access to healthcare, housing, employment, and education, all which represent a public relations nightmare for the VA and DOD, US JAG, has worked with Congress to pass legislation to prevent such fraudulent discharges. However, the DOD continues to find ways to circumvent the laws enacted by Congress. The time for third-party oversight is now. My guest this week is U.S. JAG CEO Nick Gray. His experience spans from being a non-commissioned officer in the U.S. Army with two tours overseas, being the founder of a venture-backed software company, and currently serving as the CEO of U.S. JAG. Mr. Gray's accomplishments have been recognized by ABC This Week with George Stephanopoulos, Incorporated Magazine, Stars and Stripes, PBS NewsHour, Current TV, and Fast Casual. And in 2016, he was named one of Colorado's top 25 young professionals by Colorado Biz. Nick, welcome to The Rob Mana Show. Hey, good to be here, sir. Thank you for having me. Hey, I appreciate your service uh, and uh, blessings to you and your family and all your friends and your and the folks that work in the organization out there. Uh, uh, we deeply appreciate it as a as a disabled veteran myself and a former commander that's held court martial authority uh, in the U.S. Air Force. The stories that I've read uh, uh, and a lot of them off of your website uh, and you gave me some background information before the show. Uh, really have me concerned and disturbed because when I retired in late 2011, I really wasn't seeing uh, this kind of activity to the extent that uh, that you guys are seeing with U.S. JAG. Uh, is that the reason why uh, U.S. JAG exists? Is because there's all this activity of punitive discharges uh, against injured service members? Yeah, I mean, I think you uh, you set it up quite nicely with, uh, you know, our vision and your monologue and, and, and so forth. Um, I think, you know, one of the major reasons as to why maybe you didn't see yourself as to, you know, this problem is mostly due to the fact that it's been isolated to the Army and the Marine Corps it, itself. Mm -hmm. um, the Air Force, although we, ha we are starting to see some cases come through. Um, but primarily over the past 15 years that we've been in existence, uh, it's been heavily focused on the Army and also the Marine Corps. Yeah, uh, you know, the background info, a lot of it that I'm looking at that's current, uh, and obviously you provided me with some uh, uh, that will we'll keep the details confidential in it, but 
but it focuses these days on the COVID-19 vaccine. And uh, it's really kind of illogical when I'm reading that unit commanders are pushing for punitive discharges for people that uh, not only are asking for exemptions from the COVID-19 vaccine, but have medical doctors, most of which are either Department of Defense doctors, their service doctors, or doctors that they've been referred to by their service or Department of Defense doctors uh, uh, that lay out why they should be exempt, but the commanders keep going down this path. What is the logic behind this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the first thing that should be stated is that when it comes to the vaccine mandates, and, and the abuse of discharge practices that the DOD mm-hmm. uh, engages in is that it's just another vehicle that they're using. So a lot of the abuse of discharge practices predates COVID uh, and really goes back to the start of the global war on terrorism, you know, 2001 and so forth. Um, mostly it's about fiscal responsibility. Um, so if you really go back to, um, you know, commanders in general is that, you know, their promotions are based off of force readiness and force mm-hmm. readiness is based off of deployable status. So if they need to have 95% deployable status to be in line with what the requirements are. So when you have all these injured service members that come back from war, um, they are non-deployable. And what they do is that they put them into a medical or a MEV, medical evaluation uh, right. process. And so they're non-deployable at that stage. That process can take a year or longer to, to come to fruition. Now, what, while that's happening is that they're eating up scarce resources that could be allocated towards healthy soldiers or also deployable soldiers in the way to put it. Mm-hmm. So what they do is that they find any reason possible to take these injured service members out of the medical board process, move them into a chapter process, to less than honorably discharge them out of the military, strip them of their benefits, their honor and their dignity. And that process can only take a matter of a couple of weeks. So that's really the backstory there. And, you know, transitioning to the vaccine mandates and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have a handful of clients that are in the medical process to be retired. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they've already been issued their NARSUM or narrative summary, um, issued essentially a settlement uh, from, from the DOD itself. Uh, and keep in mind, these individuals are of no, of no value or no use to the military anymore. That sounds harsh, but the reality is, is that right. they're not deployable. And in this particular case that you referenced earlier is that our client uh, had received his NARSIM, was issued a, a medical retirement, was moving into the PEB, uh, Physical Evaluation Board. Mm-hmm. And he had some surgeries that were slated to take place. And he had some pre-existing medical conditions that his doctors were concerned about. So the chief of, of vascular surgery issued him a medical exemption from getting the COVID-19 uh, vaccine because of fear for blood clots. And if blood clots happen to this gentleman, he could die. Right. So what the DOD or really his command, I mean, synonymous in, in some cases, is that they gave him a choice, which is take the vaccine, risk death, 
If you don't, we're going to lessen army discharge you, throw you out of the military, strip you of your benefits, not only for you, but also for your wife and for his kids. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand that when your benefits are stripped from you, uh, it impacts everybody in your family uh, when you're leaving the U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm very concerned. You know, this case that we're talking about, I mean, this individual has explicit medical conditions that uh, when looking at the COVID vaccine adverse reactions that we know now uh, are fairly high in these age groups of, of men and women that serve in the military, uh, 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 blood clotting, potential heart issues, and those kind of things. Uh, th this individual has those specific issues. So, so my, I guess my question is, if, if this person can't be given a medical exemption and can be driven into this punitive discharge mode as opposed to what the track he, he or she was on, you know, the medical evaluation board and either medical retirement or medical discharge, uh, is there hope for anybody? Yes, there, there is hope uh, because that's why U.S. JAG exists. And um, the, the fortunate thing in this situation with this particular client of ours is that we were able to intercede. And, and a part of what we do in our forensic investigations, and that might be a good thing for your audience to know, is that we conduct forensic investigations uh, to ensure that both policy and procedure are being followed in the discharge process. So through our investigations, what we uncovered is not only did he not, he received not just one medical exemption, but he received from one doctor, he received from two doctors, two doctors issued yeah. him a medical exemption. The second thing is that if somebody, and this goes back to the NDAA, which is, which governs the entire DOD, is that if they're less than 180 days from um, being discharged, which our client is, that they are not subject to a vaccine mandate. Now, the thing is that this actually goes back to the 2013 National Defense Authorization Act or the NDAA. So this predates COVID. So that's the first mm -hmm. violation that they um, violated. And the second uh, policy that they violated was the fact that they were moving to discharge him under less honorable conditions just for simply refusing the vaccine, even though he had two medical exemptions. Law states that if somebody refuses to do the, the vaccine, COVID-19 in this case, that they should be honorably discharged if there's no other um, circumstances that are, that are involved in the, in the situation. So those were two medical or two violations that we were able to identify right off the bat. And we were able to put together a forensic report. We submitted it. And the good thing is that command reverse course and is allowing him to medically retire. Which, which is the right thing to do. And for my audience, if, if you are commanders in the military or, or married to one, uh, you know, always, always ask good questions of your JAG. Because uh, I was, at the, like I said, I had court martial authority and I, I had to train myself to ask really probing, uh, in-depth questions of the Judge Advocate General's office because I did not want to be in a position where I, I would have somebody be able to look at their discharge and go, well, this wasn't fair, uh, because that's the bottom line is these folks have volunteered to serve our country. 
Uh, a, a lot of them, you know, most of them that we're talking about are injured personnel. So they've served, not only served their country, they've been injured in the process uh, of serving their country. And, it, and it's incumbent upon commanders to make sure that their honor, honor and dignity remains intact when faced with these tough choices like uh, what we're talking about here. Uh, and that's something that really just puzzles me, Nick. I mean, what what kind of logic trains are you uh, looking at and finding when you when you take on these forensic evaluations uh, of the chain of command and the discharge process that they're pursuing in these cases? Uh, is there any logic to it at all? No, I mean, there really isn't. I mean, other than the fact that it, it, these abusive discharge, discharge practices are carried out for two primary reasons. Number for, for fiscal responsibility, but right. in some other cases, it's also to discredit people. Um, and mm -hmm. that's kind of a different uh, conversation maybe to have at a, at a later date because there's some other cases that, that, that it involves. But I think, you know, one thing that you did bring up is that you were speaking to commanders as to they really need to be asking questions and, and leading questions for that matter. Yeah. So... In your situation, a lot of times what happens is that you have a chapter packet that's delivered to you. And what we have found uh, through our time uh, doing these is the fact that there essentially is, is two different pieces of discovery. One that actually has all of the facts, information, and the evidence in it. And then another piece of discovery that makes it to the command to look at. So what's happening in some cases is the fact that whatever information makes it up to the command itself is not the entire story. And so that's a big problem. And so at that point, it moves into malfeasance as to where this is, these actions are deliberate. So mm -hmm. it's not as if it's misfeasance as to where, yeah, we kind of overlooked, we kind of overlooked that. No, you actually intentionally withheld evidence that's being delivered to the commander to make this decision. Um, and that's a very challenging thing to overcome. Watch the rest of this interview on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below. Completely uncensored and ad-free. Not a member yet? Try it for $1.